Welcome to episode six. I think it's episode six of the. It's seven. I can't, I don't know how to count that. Episode seven of the Eye of the Swarm podcast. He's Elliot Swear, our in-studio engineer. If we, if he would have said that into the mic, we, we would actually would have had the, him on the air. Yeah, he wouldn't have been just a name that would say. <laughs> He's Elliot Swear. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. I'm John Garver, and uh, slowly warming ourselves back up because. <sighs> uh, Within wow. the last couple of hours, we had a soccer doubleheader in what, what has turned into a uh, late fall, early winter very quickly here in Superior. I'm all confused. <laughs> I, I can't figure out what the weather is going to do from one day to the next. We were just in the upper 50s, low 60s, maybe middle 60s this past weekend, and now all of a sudden the bomb dropped out on us. We had gale force winds, to say the least. Um, temperatures were what in the mid 40s, if that. Well, I'm, I'm thinking of yesterday. Wind gusts reported at 74 miles an hour in Superior. Yeah, and they had to close Canal Park practically because everything flooded, and the lift bridge was inoperable because the waves were li- literally washing over the the, the, the roadway. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't Jekyll and Hyde. I don't know how else to s- describe it. I mean, it like it, Mother Nature is playing games with us right now, and I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, <laughs> I mean, do you, do you just accept it and roll with it? Yeah, I mean, or do you, do you bargain with Mother Nature? Yeah, go ahead. You can throw everything you want at us right now and make our fall sports miserable playing outside. Have mercy on the winter. Well, yeah, I see. The, the disconcerting thing is that we have no control. Right. You know, that's the most. That's con- why I'm discon- saying you're yeah. bargain with her. Do you do you bargain or do you just grit the teeth and away you go? Yeah, I, I. I Grit your teeth. I mean, there's no other choice. I mean, you can do your little rain dance or your snow dance or whatever it is that you do to try to stave off whatever weather is coming. But uh, I, my dad said it to me and my mom said it to me as well. That You know what? No matter how much complaining you might want to do of the weather and the seasons, you can't stop the earth from spinning. At least we haven't figured out a way to do that yet. <laughs> and it's a good thing we haven't because it would destroy the planet. But, <laughs> you know, the earth is going to tilt. At the same time every year, and therefore we're going to get what we're going to get, and that's just all there is to it. But, uh, yeah, the last couple days have been pretty intense, I'm not going to lie. Clean today, by the way. So, yeah, whether you're out there today gritting your teeth or chattering your teeth, uh, good news is another championship trophy going into the trophy case at the Mertz, courtesy of the men's soccer team. With their victory today over Northwestern, an outright championship in the UMAC. Yeah, it's been a uh, season of, of, of milestones for the Yellow Jackets. We talked about Eric Watson becoming the career goal-scoring leader in our last podcast. The Yellow Jackets played two games last week. Both games were significant. First one against Minnesota Morris. They defeated the Cougars 4 to nothing on Saturday, October 19th. That was played at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. And the significance there was the Yellow Jackets clinching a share of the UMAC Conference crown for the second straight season. So congratulations to Coach Joe Mooney. And then the significance today of their 6-1 to win over Northwestern was clinching an outright for the second straight year. So one followed the other, of course. Uh, in that game against Morris, by the way, Yellow Jackets scored three of their four goals in the second half. Esteban Badillo-Ramirez scored his first goal of the season. Unassisted at 31-56, and the Jackets added three more after halftime. Eric Watson, his 12th from Blake Perry at 50-35. Miguel Ocampo with his... Fifth goal of the season at 51-25, and then it was Blake Perry. Tenth goal of the campaign unassisted at 75-49 to shut out the Cougars 4 to nothing. EWS 31-3, the edge in shots in that contest. 17-2 in shots on goal. Dalton Van Kanel and Ulrich Lager split time and goal. That was the game on Saturday, and then today the game that I actually did on the radio. Yellow Jackets defeating 
The Northwestern Eagles 6-1 to one was the final score in a game that got a little bit chippy at the end. There were four yellow cards handed out in the game. But at the end of the day, the Yellow Jackets scored a bunch of goals. Got awarded three penalty kicks, which I have not seen in a really long time. <laughs> well, I, I can't even th- really think of a game where there were three PKs. Total. Right, yeah. let alone one team getting three. Yeah, and we got three today. Uh, Jackets scored straight on two of them. Actually ended up getting th- goals on all three as a result of the all three anyway. Um, Jackets scored their first goal at 13.09 from Blake Perry. That was his 11th goal of the season off an assist from Miguel Campo. Then Eric Watson took over and scored two goals right in a row. He ended up with two goals for the day. 17.45, the first one on a PK. That's the first PK of the game. To make a 2 nothing. the 2 nothing lead lasted until halftime. And then 49 seconds into the second half, Watson added his team-leading 14th goal of the season from Blake Doye. That made it 3 nothing. Then Miguel Ocampo, unassisted off a penalty kick miss on the second one. So the shot actually went off the crossbar, and then Ocampo... Very alertly following up, tapped it into the back of the net. That was his sixth goal of the season, unassisted, 54-22 at the time on that one to make it 4-0. Then Blake Doye from the penalty spot with the third one at 57 minutes even to make it 5-0. Northwestern's Joshua Hintz, who had an interesting day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I say that with all uh, due respect for Mr. Hintz. Scored at 68-32 off of a long ball. And then a minute later, proceeded to get a yellow card for mouthing off to the ref, which I, I've never seen that combo. Usually that high of scoring the goal makes you in a little better mood, but it didn't last long for Hintz as he scored <laughs> to make it 5-1. to one. And then Archie Jeardrum, congratulations to him, scoring his first goal of the season in the last, what, 30 seconds, I guess. Yeah, it was late. Yeah, off an assist from Galen Coy to make it 6-1. to one. Yellow Jackets held a nice edge in shots. Not a huge one, 15-8, to 10-5 in shots on goal. Dalton Van Kano picked up four stops in net before he was substituted by Ulrich Lager in the last 10 minutes of that one. Jackets now 12-3-2 overall. They finished UMAC portion of their schedule perfect 8-0. And now they have two non-conference games coming up. Two r- tough ones, too. Both of them on the road at St. John's on Saturday and at Bethel on the second. And then it's off to the UMAC tournament looking to make the NCAAs, NCAAs for the third straight year. Talking to uh, Frank Pufal on the way over here and. He said he had a big number. His math that he threw out said the Yellow Jackets have outscored UMAC opponents 43-3 to this year. I mean, That's pretty close, I think. I would have to go back and look at it again, but that sounds not far off. 43-3. to It doesn't get much more dominant than that. No. Well, 12 against Northland, and there were a few in there that were, what, there three were in a row were six. Three in a row were six. Today was six. Yep. You know, so. It, Four against Morris. So, yeah, I mean, you. You know, the one game, close game they had was Glasgow. That was one nothing. One nil, yep. But uh, and then Bethany, yeah, that was another six nothing game. So I mean, it, they, yeah, it was yeah. pretty. It was pretty thorough this year. It was pretty thorough. I think everybody expected them to really dominate the league this year, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure that people expected it to be quite that one sided. Right. Um, but congratulations to Coach Joe Mooney and his club. You know, and you you have to think, not in you'll you'll get the standard coach speak, player speak vanilla commentary anytime you talk to these people you know as long as we're winning games it's all matters and that's true I would have to think that Eric Watson is going to get serious consideration for UMAC player of the year I would think so uh you know he he and Blake Perry both are going to get some serious consideration for it um you know the fact that you know Waddy now is the all-time leading goal scorer in Yellow Jacket history he's like Cal Ripken every time he scores he breaks his own record yeah exactly he's up to 41 now after today um you know so I mean you average more than 10 goals 
per year for your career. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, and, and he only scored four last year. Think about that. Yeah. And that was his low. You're right. You know, and he had a lot of assists. James Bruce last year scored uh, 15 or 16, I think, last 16. year. Yeah, 16 for the Jackets last year. And Waddy was the assister on a lot of those goals. And, of course, Brucey's been missing because he's got a hamstring. Right. And um, Watson has no assists this year. Yeah. And he's been 14 finishing. goals, no assists. And yeah. there's your Cy Young winner. Right, yeah, exactly. And he's getting, getting a lot of those helpers from Blake Perry. Blake Perry actually leads the team in points overall. I mean, as many goals as, as, as Waddy has scored this year, Blake Perry actually leads him in points overall. He added a goal and assist today as well. So, um, yeah, but that combo up top, they're tough. And, uh, boy, the UMAC was not ready for that combo. And it's just too bad that uh, Brucey wasn't healthy for the most of the second half of the year. It would have been nice right. to get him in there as well. Who knows how many goals they would have scored if he had been healthy. Right. So, <laughs> you know, that's it's, it's, a, it's a fun club to watch. They're, they're really, they play very high tempo. Um, and I talked about during the broadcast today, and they just don't let up. I mean, they take everything quickly. Yep. You know, set pieces quickly, throw-ins quickly. Uh, a lot of teams try to, you know, purposely try to slow down the tempo against them. Northwestern did it several times today just to try to catch their breath because the Yellow Jackets just come at you in waves. And uh, off the bench, it's the same thing. And they're fun to watch. I mean, they're a fun mm-hmm. club to watch. I really enjoy watching them. No, I, I, I don't disagree with you at all. So congratulations, Coach Money and the Yellow Jacket men's soccer team. 2019 UMAC champions. Everybody gets a new T-shirt because of that one. Uh, other side of it, heartbreaking loss for the women's soccer team today. That one uh, is going to have some implications when yeah, it comes to playoff position. I think so. Uh, you know, that's a pretty good Northwestern team they lost to today. Um, no shame in losing to them. one nothing. the final score. Uh, the Yellow Jacket women came in. Tied for first place in the conference with St. Scholastica. They were perfect 5-0. and Now the Yellow Jackets in a tie for second place, I guess, technically. Well, technically, then they dropped a third. Yeah, they dropped a third. If, they, if we're seeding, yeah, for the for the tournament, yes. As far as point numbers, they have the same amount of points right. as St. Northwestern does. Uh, but they fell to 6-8-2 and two today with their loss to Northwestern. Final score, one nothing. The only goal of that game coming at 63-39. Daniel Roberts getting a tap-in goal, half an assist from Anna Welch. And it was one of those kind of goals where, um, you know, Anna Welch, who was Northwestern's leading scorer, she got a little bit of space on the – Near side wing, exploited it, came into the box. The Yellow Jackets were a little slow to react to her. Madison Gutekunz, who is having a heck of a sophomore year, made a great stop on the first shot, but the rebound was there, and, and Roberts puts it home. She's a pretty good player herself. That was her eighth goal of the year. Um, and Northwestern ends up holding on for a one nothing victory. Um, but Gutekunz, reigning UMAC Defensive Player of the Week. We'll talk more about that in a second here, but I think she tied her career high with saves. She had 19 of 19, them today. yep. She set that earlier in the year, I believe. Yep. I think it was only a couple weeks ago. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. I want to say River Falls, maybe. Was it River Falls or no? It wasn't River Falls. It was some? It was non-conference. It was Morgan I think. played that match. Okay. It was, uh, was that St. Mary's? It might have been Mary's. That was the other one St. I was Mary's. thinking. Okay, it was. One, it was. Uh, I think it was Mary's. Anyway, Yellow Jackets end up losing it by the score of one nothing. Brings a, a kind of disheartening end to what was a really good week for them. Um, as they defeated Morris in their other contest last week. 2 nothing Saturday at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. UWS scored a goal in each half. The dreaded own goal cropped up again in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 4.35 in the opening half. Emma Street came in on the, I think it was the right side wing, and she tried to cross one through the middle and resulted in the Morris defender tapping it right right between, or right past her keeper in the upper half of the net, one nothing, And then Kenzie Olderking adding her second goal of the season. Both of them from the PK spot. This one coming at 83-10 to seal it for the Yellow Jackets as they shut out the Cougars 2 to nothing. UWS held a 9-8 edge in shots, 6-1 in shots on goal. Gutekunst only made one save in that contest, but she was named, as I mentioned, 
UMAC Women's Soccer Defensive Player of the Week for the second time this year. The other time coming on September 9th. And the third time in her career, first time she ever did that, was on October 29th, 2018. So right about a year ago. And with them, with that win against Morris, they clinched their playoff position. Yep, they're in the UMAC tournament as well. Um, and where and when those teams are playing, check out UWSYellowJackets.com to find out more. Thanks for the plug on the website. Yeah. Uh, next UMAC championship coming up is going to be with our, our friends who do the running. Yep, yep, yeah, it the, is cro- indeed. The cross-country teams are going to be, they wrapped up their, I use air quotes, regular season last Saturday, and uh, next for them is the conference championships. But uh, last Saturday, what turned out to be an absolutely perfect day for running. Yeah. Uh, they were down at, at Oshkosh. and a Rarity uh, this year. Yeah, they were down at Oshkosh, and it looked like just a spectacular day to be out for a run. Yeah, the Yellow Jacket men and women competing at the College Town Sports Invitational hosted by Oshkosh. That was held at the Lake Breeze Golf Club in Winneconne, Wisconsin. That's, uh, of course, the schedule for the uh, for the men's and women's cross-country team every other week. Coach Glenn Drexler kind of explaining why he schedules it that way. But that's a meet that the Yellow Jackets have competed in a lot over the years. I'm not sure how many times they've been in that one, but it's a lot. Yeah, they've been going to that one for a long time. Yeah, that one's been a, pretty much a staple on the schedule for Coach Glenn Drexler and company. The men finished 24th. UWS with 697 points as a team. Eddie Carlson ran the AK course in 2655.6. Yellow Jacket women finished 30th. UWS finished with 886 points as a team. Haruka Hamanaka, she completed the 6K course in 2519 to lead the Yellow Jackets. And like you said, they're off this coming week. As the every other week schedule continues, they'll be next in action Saturday, October, or excuse me, November 2nd. Yeah, this is October 2nd. November 2nd. Hosting the UMAC Championships at Namaji. Right down the road. Right down the road. Men at 12 p.m., women at 1 p.m. And hopefully we get better weather than we did for the Dan Conway Classic. That was... <laughs> well, that was just rain. I'm worried about snow for the yeah well, for this one. <laughs> well, and see, here's the question, though, because I think we talked about this earlier during the soccer games earlier today. When does the point come where that it turns over to snow and then it sticks? And hopefully before November 2nd, or after November 2nd, right. I should say. Yeah. Yeah, that is... That's kind of the goal, is should it not? I mean, honestly. Well, I would hope. Yeah, we don't want to have a hundred <laughs> kids out there running this race in snow. Yeah, that would be a, a, a real bummer. But the way it's been for the entire Upper Midwest in the fall, I think you could pick any golf course you want in Minnesota or Wisconsin or much, Dakotas, yeah. wherever, and you could end up with with snow no matter where you're looking. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of gotten to that point now. Um, you know, I mean, I'm not sure. I know that, uh, and and. I'm t- <laughs> I'm bringing this up as as kind of a tangent, but I know the UMD women soccer team had to play a game in Aberdeen, South Dakota, where they actually had snowbanks around the outside because South Dakota got smacked with snow. I'm just right. hoping that we don't have that here. Right. No, I I agree 100. <laughs> percent yeah, So yeah, it, let's just let's stop talking about. It. I'm not ready, right, yeah. I'm not ready for snow. I'm not ready to shovel or any of that oh, stuff. Yeah. And just, then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up with volleyball as they closed out the home portion of their regular season. With a couple of matches last week, went one and one. Yeah, they went one and one. Both games are broadcasted by yours truly here, uh, Mr. Johnson, talking away here about these two teams. Um, Yellow Jackets now twelve and fifteen overall, four and two in the UMAC. They split their two matches last week, so not a, not altogether a bad week. Although they did fall to Saint Scholastica in their bridge battle number two for 2019, three sets to one, and at what was actually a pretty well played match by the Yellow Jackets, especially defensively. They right. played really well defensively, just couldn't quite find enough offense. But give St. Scholastica credit for that one because, boy, did they play some defense. I night. was so impressed with the defense that they played last Wednesday. They the, the ball just – they never quit on the ball. It 
doesn't hit the floor against them. No, no, and their libero played an outstanding match. She was incredible. Yeah. I'll see a Draper. Shout out to you. You did a really good <laughs> job in that match. Normally I don't do that kind of stuff, but she had 39 digs. Yeah. And the L Jackets were no slouches either defensively in that match. Right. You know, Yana Carrera, we'll talk about her in a second, she had 38 digs in that match. I mean, it was a heck of a back and forth. It was a lot of fun to watch. It was. You, know, you, you obviously want us to come out on top there, but it was it was a lot of fun to watch. And unfortunately, a loss there. That one, like women's soccer, also is going to have some playoff implications. Yeah, it is. I think. Um, you know, the L Jackets probably going to make the tournament, uh, the UMAC tournament. The question is whether they're going to be at home for a match. Um, you know, Coach Lynn Diedrich wants to get a third seed. She's openly told me that. You know, and if they get that third seed, they'll be on the road. But if they get the fourth seed, then they'll be back home. Right. So it's a difference between three and four. It's a little bit goofy, but because five teams make it from the UMAC into the tournament, the right. four seed gets a home game, the three seed does not. Yep. So that's the way that that cookie crumbles, as they say. You know, and then the reality, too, is the team. if they do end up in the four, the team they're going to play is going to most likely be the team that they saw last Saturday. Right, exactly. And so it'll probably be Bethany Lutheran. Right. So that'll be it's something of an advanced scouting report if that's the way that works out. In that match against St. Sklaska, though, we'll touch on that one one more time here. It was played on the 16th, three or four set loss for the Yellow Jackets. St. Sklaska hit 205 as a team while the Jackets hit 128. Gina Barch, triple double for the freshman. Third time this year. Yeah, and it was sort, somewhat, I think, quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, you looked at the stats. I knew she was playing well, but I, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't noticing that she was going for a triple double. Right. 12 kills, 24 assists, 14 digs. Pretty darn good. Yep. Cammy Sleda had 14 kills. Yana Carrera trying to go one-on-one with Draper at the libero spot, practically. 38 digs for her. Bradley Colligan, 24 digs. Haley Atwood also had 20 digs. And Megan Holes had 18 assists. So the Jackets played some serious defense, just couldn't quite put the ball down when they needed it. A lot of long points in that match, though. That was the reason for all those digs. Right. Yeah, the, I mean, some of the points went on and on and on, and it was a lot of fun to watch it. But, you know, unfortunately, the Yellow Jackets just didn't quite come through with enough plays, and they end up falling to the Saints, who take both games. You're talking about long points, and Michael Bond, the the SAD up at Finlandia, and I were having a conversation about volleyball here a couple of weeks ago, and I I just if if my own curiosity was really getting the best of me, I would go back and look through the play by play of their files from from match at home home matches they had last year. He was telling me they had one point, and I don't know how this is even possible that went six minutes. I want you to think about that for just one second. Six minutes. Well, a really, really long point will go about a minute. Like right. Like a really long one. Yes. Yeah. And he was telling me that he had a point that went six minutes. I, I can't even I, – I, one, I can't How many fathom, digs were there on I, that I can't one? fathom being in stat crew that long and, and being able to keep your concentration and get the point right. And Well, and just – But the number of digs you would have in a six-minute point – Mind-blowing. Well, and whatever <laughs> team won that point probably jumped out of the gym, and then everybody at the scores table passed out. Right. <laughs> That's what Like I, your poor game caller on that one? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, take the, take, you know, check the oxygen level on that guy. Right. Is, he, so is I, he still okay? So I, yeah. I, I've been tempted to call him back and just say, you got to show me where this point is. I want to see it. I kind of want to see it, too. I want to see it. Yeah, it's one of those things that that should make Sports Center. Yeah. A <laughs> six-minute rally. Wow. That is incredible. That is incredible. Especially, yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, so anyway. I kind of hijacked the, the the box score there. Sorry about that, <laughs> okay. but uh, 
Yep. Things things were a little bit less dramatic against Bethany Lutheran. The Yellow Jackets winning, I think, in an hour and 20 minutes by my watch. 71 minutes. Okay, is that what it was? It was a okay. snappy 71. Yep. Three, three sets to nothing against Bethany Lutheran. That game was on Saturday. That's their final home match, regular season home match, just to clarify, for the 2019 campaign. UWS had 259 while holding the Vikings to 035 hitting. In fact, the Vikings got above the 000 mark, I think, just barely in that third set that was when they put them over but they were negative for the first two sets at right. least and well they one. were so deeply negative in the first set oh my gosh yeah. they, they really struggled negative 118 first, i think yeah. they were in that first set as i recall cammy sled and cassie teff each had 10 kills gina barge 22 assists megan holes a 13 more yana carrera rounding out another strong week for her 18 digs and that was the week that was for the yellow jacket women's volleyball team so and that was the week that was for the yellow jackets period it was indeed, yeah. It was, uh, you know, it's funny because we're in that crossover stage now where fall sports are starting to wind down a little bit. And now we're starting to get into the winter stuff, which leads us into our guest. Speaking of getting into the winter stuff, we're going to be uh, joined by Yellow Jacket head men's basketball coach Greg Polkowski, who's entering his third year at the helm of the program, and we'll we'll dive into some some basketball, talk about his players, talk about his schedule, his tournament, all that good stuff. And more yep. when the Eye of the Swarm continues right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Barker's Island Inn of Superior. The Barker's Waterfront Grill offers breakfast, lunch, and dinner overlooking the harbor. More at BarkersIslandInn.com. Northern Wisconsin's Island Getaway. We're back on I the Swarm podcast, and not that we needed any clearer picture that the seasons are changing by the weather outside today. This is Tuesday when we are recording this, but winter sports are, have uh, begun practice, Matt, and we are joined by Yellow Jacket head men's basketball coach Greg Balkowski, who is beginning year number three at the helm of the Yellow Jackets. A uh, little bit of excitement, anticipation now at this time of year, obviously, with everything starting anew for you. Yeah, no, and and first of all, thanks John and Matt for having me. As always, this uh, this piece has been great and awesome to follow along with. So happy to be here today. And yeah, as far as the seasons changing and the weather changing, uh, yeah, the 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 line of work has changed a little bit too. We, we've been on the court uh, for we're going into our eighth practice today. So yeah, the anticipation is fun. Uh, we got a lot of new guys, uh, some returners, and some returners that. Are, are coming off a little bit of a hiatus. So, yeah, the, it's been good just kind of bringing all the pieces together and, and things are going uh, steadily the right way. So. We'll dive into a little bit of that. But before we before we get into the team and the players and everything, let's let's talk a little bit about you. I, we obviously know that you're an alum of UW-Superior. You played in the program back uh, 10 years ago now, 15 11 years ago. 11 years ago, yeah, 11 in that 15, ballpark. Yeah. You know, they all kind of blend together after a while, but – what does it mean to you to be the head coach of this program? It's awesome. You know, um, had a great experience here as a, a student athlete and, um, you know, had the chance to get into coaching here uh, what would have been, yeah, 11 years ago. And, um, you know, that really kind of kick-started everything. And, you know, as you go through your professional life or life in general it takes different turns and you, you go different places and there's different stops uh and every one of them has been awesome um and you know when I left here uh you know I really felt that you know I was 
fortunate enough to have a great experience and just hoped one day, you know, the goal was to, to lead a program and um, knew in the back of my head it would be great to be back at UW-Superior, but that wasn't like the only goal. And, uh, you know, things worked out uh, that, you know, I was able to come back here and uh, a lot of the same people, a lot of new people, uh, a lot of the same character and values is, is 11 to 15 years ago. So uh, to be able to lead the program is awesome. To know a little bit of the history and tra- tradition, uh, I think helps a lot. Uh, and then be able to be able to give back to that um, in a different capacity is, is, is awesome. And, and knowing a lot of the other alums and the pride that people have at, at UWS is um, it's been great to be a part of uh, on the other side and as we continue to grow things. You talk about the pride too, and I don't know if people realize it. The biggest reason probably being that you're in a, a very hockey-rich area here, but there's a pretty good tradition with Yellow Jacket basketball, and there are some really passionate people about this program in the community, aren't there? Yeah, there's, there's uh, you know, I really feel there is great community support, um, you know, whether it's people at every game, whether it's people just recognizing uh, the program from afar, following from afar, whether it's on the radio or watching at home, um, you know, seeing people in the community, you know, whether it's people involved with our camps, um, you know, the alumni base is great. Um, I think each year, I mean, this is only going into year three in this position, but, um, you know, being an alum, you think you have a feel for, you know, a lot of people, but you, you just keep meeting more people, um, even if they're not just basketball alum, but uh, whether it be football alum or non-athletic alum, and, and there's definitely a um, a great pride across the board uh, for UWS. And, yeah, again, just be happy to be able to still be a part of that and, and keep growing that. You've really made it a point to – I don't even know, know the best way to say it, but you've, made a, you've really made it a point to, to, to kind of be one of your points of emphasis is to have those touch points with the alumni and, and get them back in larger numbers, get them back – in terms of a little bit bigger support, that's been a that was kind of one of your main things going in, was it not? Because you've you've really, it seems to me, tried to gain a foothold with those people. Yeah, I think it's kind of come naturally, but uh, um, having been an alum, I, I mean, in that sense. But you know, I think you look at other programs and you look at successful programs, and you know, John, you know um, as well as me. I mean, just with you know the hockey side of things, the the rich alumni tradition there, and you look at other whether it's Division One, Two, or Three. You know, a lot of the successful programs. I don't think you win because of the alumni, but I think it it adds to the environment and the culture of your program and. Um, you know, it's and it's 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 work to do that, but it's not work uh, because people are excited about it. They want to be involved with it. Um, they're happy to be still connected to it. So it's it's in a you know when there's enthusiasm and excitement, uh, you know, it, it makes that piece you know that much more fun on my end to work with. And and I think we've. Um, seen a lot of growth and and just you know continued excitement on that side of things as as we keep growing things on the court too so let's talk about year three a little bit now uh your third season at the helm as we mentioned and the uh, 1920 yellow jackets what are we uh what are we venturing into here as your season gets closer yeah i don't have all the answers for that yet i think we'll know in a few more weeks uh and again at at the end of the calendar year i think will be a, a better dial of things but yeah we return um you know, a, a good group of kids um, that were with us last year. We have nine new players into the program, one being a transfer, eight true freshmen. Uh, we do return um, 
some players that played uh, two years ago, uh, Vid Milinkovic, uh, who was a starter for us two years ago in all-conference, uh, was off this past season due to injury. Colton Williams uh, started the year for us last year but uh, got hurt in game three down at Hamlin. Uh, so really missed the whole year for us. We're fortunate enough to have those guys back. Um, they are in good health um, and, and continuing to progress forward. So it's kind of mixed a little bit of everything. You know, um, there's returners, but, you know, you we're figuring things out in practice, but there's times on the floor in practice where, you know, there's only one guy on the floor that even played for you last year. Um, so it's it's there is returners. There is veteran leadership. We do have a big senior class with six seniors. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of new parts, and I think we – we our depth is definitely more. Um, I think we're much more versatile across the board than we've ever been, um, and we'll see where things are at. You know, we obviously have a very challenging November uh, and opening up with a uh, an exhibition against UMD, which, which will be a very good program this year. So you know, we're we're still growing, but I um, I feel very excited. I feel very confident. I you know, you love each team, you love each program, but I I would say this is is our our deepest and uh, uh, most versatile team we've had yet in the last three years you brought up Veed, and I want to touch on him before we dive into some of these these other guys that you're going to have coming back and everything he's a special young man and I, I think anybody who is willing to go through what he went through not once but twice to come back from an injury says so much about him when he he could have gotten done with school he could have graduated and and gone on about his business and everything and he said you know what no I I, I kind of want to go out on my terms and really leave a stamp on the program. Is is that fair to say? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think Vita is a, a stand-up guy, stand-up teammate, uh, stand-up representative of the university, uh, really prides himself in his values, and I think that goes into – um, you know, kind of what you said. I mean, he he was going to go out his way and it, it worked incredibly hard to come back. I mean, when I got here uh, in October of 2017 is when I met Veed and he was just coming off injury then. And I thought it really took him, you know, probably half that year to really get to full form or I found out what full form was because when I started working with him, I was like, okay, you know, this is this is what this guy is all about. And he kind of just kept getting better and kept getting better um, and then ended up getting at the hurt at the end of that academic year, the, I think the week of finals or the week after finals. And his body had really gotten to a great spot. So, um, you know, when he came back at the start of the school year, you really didn't know what you were going to get because injury had occurred twice. There's a lot of rehab that goes into that. Uh, he wasn't in school last year. He went, you know, he went home. Uh, but he's come back at a at a position that I never would have thought he would be at on you know October 21st, 22nd, wherever we're at here. So, um, no, he's done a great job. And that's a complete testament to to his his work ethic and and what it means to him to be a part of this program. Veed is one of those guys. Uh, I've had the the pleasure of covering him now as as the real voice of the Yellow Jackets for a number of years, and he's one of those guys that kind of he, he to me he he's kind of the quintessential example of how basketball is becoming more international every year, because he's originally from Serbia. He moved to Switzerland as a, as a kid, um, came here to play basketball, um, got hurt twice, like you said, then went home twice, studied there, rehab there, came back here again. And he's one of those guys that everybody likes. You know, I mean, forgetting a, for a minute about basketball, what sport he plays, all that kind of stuff. Veed is one of those people you can walk up to and just start a conversation with him. And he's he's a guy that is he's very intellectual. You know, he's very smart. He's very outgoing. 
And he actually, to me, he's kind of like the quintessential what you would kind of want for your basketball program because he kind of is a guy who came in, went through a lot, a lot, you know, not just the fact that he's been injured twice, but the fact that his home country isn't even on this side of the, of the earth. You know, he's from a completely different hemisphere. You know, he's from Europe, um, but, you know, he'll tell you all about his, his background, the sports that he loved growing up, the fact that his dad was involved in basketball, his dad was a basketball coach as, as a kid, and, uh, you know, he's just one of those guys. It's really a pleasure, and really, I'm really happy to see him back. Um, he was going to be a focal point last year. Everybody knew that. Um, and when he got injured, it was a big downer. But just having him back, for me, I'm really looking forward just to being able to see him on the court again. That's going to be just a blast for me. Yeah, no, he's great in every capacity. I mean, when you just see him around the team, uh, he can connect with everybody. He's a leader. Um, he does have great perspective. I mean, he speaks multiple languages. He's, he's been in different countries. And, yeah, to your point about the international part of the game of basketball, I mean, I think you see it all three levels, you know, all levels, college uh, to the NBA to whatever it is. Um, a, lot, a big international influence, and obviously Veed came in under Paul and uh, grateful myself to be able to work uh, with him, and we've had two international players come in from Spain um, in my time here, and, and he's been a great um, mentor, leader for them, but he, he never, he's great with everybody across campus. I mean, it's yeah. not just the basketball program. It's not just the athletic <laughs> department. Um, it stretches out in the community. You talk about the community support. I mean, there's uh, supporters in the community that, you know, they've been asking about Veed for, you know, a year now. So, cause they, he just relates so well with people. So no, it's been a, a pleasure to have him back uh, with the group. Another guy that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing besides Colton is the transfer from Bemidji. Uh, a losing Montroy Scott last year. That's a big loss. Montroy's still around, so he's not completely gone. Mm-hmm. But I know he's going to be helping you out a little bit with yep. the coaching side of things. Um, but Alan Anderson, who played last year at uh, Bemidji State and wasn't just a bit player there. I mean, he played a fair amount of minutes there for a guy that you know came out of the JC. He played uh, his high school ball in the Twin Cities in a big uh, school league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that just from talking to some of the guys, that you know, they're pretty excited about having him around because he's a true point guard. And he's a guy that is a, a pass-first point guard but really digs in defensively as well. So, um, you know, you, what's, what's your perspective on getting a guy like him to come in and help out in the backcourt? Yeah, I mean, I think the early, you know, feel for Allen, and he's a, he's a phenomenal kid too. Uh, the guys are really drawn to him. Uh, great personality, great student. Um, yeah, and came from Bemidji. And, you know, I think he's a different player we haven't had in the program in, in – quite some time a real long time I mean he is a true point guard he has a great burst of speed when he can get out in the open floor find seams uh he passes it really well especially in the open court he has ability to get the rim he can shoot it uh but he's not what we have seen the last few years with Montreux and Shaq being scoring point guards uh but he does he does he does love to dig in defensively uh and his burst of speed is as good as anybody I've you know, ever really seen at that position. Yeah, you know, I, I can't really – I've talked to some other people about him. Dwight Hill, who used to help us out, I, I said he's kind of a combination of Dwight Hill. He's kind of a combination of Ron Reed, who played in the mid-2000s. He's uh, he's kind of a combination of Dustin Ritchie, who was a pass first. Um, so he's, he's a little bit of everything. But he's been uh, phenomenal to work with early on here. And, and, you know, he's still feeling things out too. And, you know, like I said, he's – He's one of those guys in that group that you know didn't play here last year, and you're and he's and he's kind of feeling guys out, but doing a great job, doing a great job for sure. And the other guy that I want to highlight just because he's another guy that everybody likes, Mac Rechdel, who 
he's kind of the quintessential guy who made himself into a ball player. When he came in as a freshman, I remember he was getting two, maybe three minutes a game, mm-hmm. if that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've had a lot of talk talks with Mac over the years, and uh, now he's become one of the best lead guards in the conference, which is, is amazing to me, and it's it's a, also a testament to what you want your program to be. And, Definitely. you know, he's somewhat local. He's from Washburn, which is, you know, not that far away, a little over an hour. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, boy, he's been quite an ambassador for your program as well, hasn't he's he? He's in the gym all the time. Yeah, he's, yeah. All he's summer a true long, gym He's rat. always in the gym. Yeah, Mac is one of those guys that was determined to make himself into a ball player. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he had a great year last year. Um, you know, and when he came in, it's interesting to listen to him talk about his career because he talked about it when he came in. He said, I was just hoping to make the team. And then I was hoping to get a couple minutes here and there. That was my goal. You know, because I didn't know if I was ready. I didn't think I was ready to play college basketball at that point. And then he took a, you know, a year or two off where he didn't play at all. And then he thought about it and he was still playing a lot in the gym, even when he wasn't on the team, you could see him. He was in there shooting around a lot. And then, you know, when, when the opportunity came, he came back. And like you said, John, the amount of work that that guy puts in on a daily basis to get better is probably, it might be, he might be the most dedicated. And we've had some hard workers here, but he might be number one on my list on the men's program for guys that really will put their time into the gym. I mean, he is in there all the time. Definitely. You Definitely. know, and... Between him and Veed, I mean, that's a great example for the rest of the guys on the team, and that's why one of the reasons I'm excited about this group, you know. Yeah, no, and he's – I mean, you, you described him perfectly, and, I mean, the program means a lot to him. Uh, you know, he is a local guy from Washburn, but he, he's really made superior home too um, and, and proud of the university, you know, the area. Um, man, he's a gym rat, and, uh, you know – is we're building a program and, you know, going into year three and still relatively early on in that process to have him at the forefront when we talk about getting in the gym and working out, um, you know, is one thing for me to say it and preach it and, and, and push it out with our guys. But when you have a guy like Mac that's doing it and, and guys can see the progress that comes in, in his production as a player, um, I mean, it speaks for itself. And, you know, we see it. Our guys see it. Uh, we see it on the stat sheet. But, you know, people around the league see it too. I mean, uh, Matt Fletcher at Bethany Luther made a comment to me last year on the road, and, and Matt's obviously had a great program and a lot of great players, and, and he's just he talked about the jump that Mac has made, um, you know, conference-wide, how that was just such a big jump. And, yeah, and, and you know, we'll see where things go this year. I mean, we expect expect great things out of him. I know he's going to do a great job. Um, and, you know, last year so much was on his shoulders and now kind of trying to feel out uh, what this year's role will look like. And, you know, but it, there might be days where he needs to carry us and there's days that, uh, you know, he, he's working with the rest of the group too. Well, it's funny too because you brought up the fact that uh, when you're in practice, you're sometimes coaching for the five guys are not well, guys you coached number last one year. That there's yeah, one, and yeah, that's Mac. Yep, Mac is yep, the one guy that yep, you coached last year. Guy. And yep. so that also kind of factored, because that helps. You know, a guy like Mac who is a gym rat, it's good to have, if you're going to have one guy on the court that is your one guy that came back from last year that is going to, you know, kind of lead by example. Mac's not the most vocal guy all the time, but, you know, Mac's a pretty good guy to have. Oh, 100%. There, you know, be yep. that one guy. Yep. You definitely. know, I mean, that's he gets it. He understands the system. He likes playing in it. You know, yep. and he's, uh, you know, when I talk to him about this team, his face just lights up. He's like, you know, we're, we're so deep and versatile this year compared to where we've been. 
where last year injuries really, you guys were in a makeshift kind of situation mm-hmm. most of last year, mm-hmm. you know, moving guys around, Montreux and Mac moving those guys around. Um, I'm just really excited about the whole thing. I get questions about it all the time, and I tell people with this group, including with Mac, how many teams in the country do you know are going to be upper-class dominated, lose one senior, and have four new starters? I, that's that's a combination you just don't see. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, this is the first time I've seen it. You know, and I, I, I I'm in my head right now. I'm trying to rattle through, and I, I can't think of anybody. No, that would I have that scenario. No. Yeah, it's a unique situation for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's because of injuries and you know, and, and some of the guys coming in. I get that, but just looking at that, those numbers alone, that goes completely against convention in college basketball. So, you know, uh, I'm just, it's going to be cool to see it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be great, and and uh, not to jump too far ahead on things. I mean that those guys are huge pieces, and then you know you still have all those returners that have developed and taken a step forward with that sophomore group, and and even the the juniors, and then you have a whole new onslaught of, of freshmen. So there's a lot of moving parts there. So it'll be fun to see how how things shake out here. Let's talk about that sophomore group a little <clears throat> bit because you had some guys come in last year that got some pretty significant minutes as freshmen, and are you expecting the normal freshman to sophomore step or because of the experience they gained in year one, do you maybe expect them to be a little more worldwise out there and take a larger step than you would normally expect? Yeah, I think I think both are true. I think uh, you know they they got a lot of minutes as freshmen uh, with you know the way our roster was built last year. Um, you know, the one thing that group can all do is shoot the basketball. I mean, Carter Brown had, you know, multiple double-digit games. Thomas Robarge, I believe, has always been a, always been a great shooter. I think he's he's really figuring out his game and translating it to, you know, Wednesday and Saturday nights. Uh, but, you know, he's he's really developed his body over the last year. Lucas Lemieux, I mean, led us in three-point percentage last year. Adam Royal, uh, you know, I sc- scored, I think, in every game he played in. Um, and, I, you know, I'm missing others. Juwan Janer has really developed. Ronnie Galvin's developed. You know, all of them. Um, Sam Dettel, that whole sophomore, junior group. So they have definitely taken a step forward. So, you know, when, we, when we're in practice um, – you know, it's not, you know, we talked about some of those upperclassmen, um, you know, you throw Joe Kramer in there too. It's not, it's not just handed to them. And a lot of times, you know, that, that second group, I mean, they haven't skipped a beat. They, they were playing last year, you know, they were in our system last year. So they've kind of got a leg up um, in, in some instances. And no, 100%, we look to have that group contribute to us. Um, you know, we'll see where that is. You know, obviously, like I said, their strength is shooting the basketball. And, uh, you know, Juwan Janer, another international player, has, has made some huge strides. Um, um, so it'll be interesting to see where they fit into things, you know, once we get going here. I know you've got some new guys that you're excited about, too. We'll talk a little bit more about them, I'm assuming, here in a few seconds. But, um, you know, that class, I think that they they were put into a tough spot last year. You had a, a lot of the freshmen had to play a lot more minutes, I know, than, than you know you were anticipating because you mm-hmm. were thinking you were going to have Vita and Colton were going to be healthy last year mm-hmm. and that they were going to carry some of the scoring load, which allow you to ease the freshmen in a little bit. Mm-hmm. When they both went down, now all of a sudden you're throwing these freshmen. Robards had to play a lot at the beginning, and so did Carter Brown as the year went on. And mm-hmm. then you know some of the other guys had to step up and play more minutes. Um, you take your lumps when that happens, but guys learn quickly. And by the end of the year, Joe Kramer put together some really good games, yep. and Carter Brown put together some really good games last year for at the end of the year, and and it did kind of set it up for possibly a really nice sophomore year for some of those guys. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and those guys at the end of the day, you know, they love basketball, they love to get in the gym, and they're just phenomenal student athletes. I mean, 
I, I, if I had to guess at that group of guys, we've kind of just been discussing, you know, what their GPA is. I'm, I can guarantee it's above a 3.7, that group combined. And they're just all around great package. And uh, uh, they're as hungry as anybody on that floor. You know, I, I know the, the headlines kind of go towards some certain people, but um, they truly are as hungry as anybody in our, um, you know, when we walk in the gym later, I, I know that's going to be that first group that's out on the floor already before we even get going. So um, they're just a great group. And, you know, they're going to write their own story, obviously, but uh, there's definitely opportunities for them. And, and you know, that's a tough part about basketball. You can only put five on the floor, but, um, you know, that's another group of guys that, that definitely is going to have a, a ability to affect the game. So talk about the freshman group. You already mentioned you got nine new people coming in with the veteran group that you have. Do you have that guy or those guys in that group that can come in and make an impact as freshmen, or are they not going to necessarily get the same opportunity as the freshmen last year did because there's so many veterans in front of them? Are they going to be able to develop a little more at their pace instead of being thrown into the deep end of the pool? Yeah, and a great question, and uh, I'll give you the same answer. I, I say a little bit of both sides because there is a big group of them. Um, you know, with even with our returners and being cold, we did need to address – um, and are continuing to always address the, the size uh, part of our roster and length. And we're fortunate uh, enough to get some of that in this group with Joseph Fahrenholtz out of Chatfield, Minnesota. Great kid. Uh, tough. Uh, he's about 6'7 plus, 6'8. Can shoot it. Uh, good size to him. I, I think he's a guy that's going to have a chance to make an impact uh, as a freshman. Uh, locally, Mason Ackley um, out of Superior High School is – uh, a really great gift for us, a kid that loves Superior, loves the area, loves the university, and has fit in perfectly. Um, you know, when you when you have guys that, you know, even right in town, you know, it's it's still a transition for them, even though they're from here. Um, and he's handled it great, along with Xavier Patterson, uh, who really has some game to him. You know, if you watch those guys in high school last year, um, you know, Mason would make some amazing plays. And at the same time, you know, Xavier Patterson was kind of that steady piece throughout that really that whole senior season for those guys. And uh, we were fortunate enough to get in the Fox Valley Association Conference uh, and recruiting to uh, Braden Ivory, who we think is going to have a, a, a great career here. Um, unfortunately, went down with an injury. Um, you talk about Veed going through an injury. I mean, that's, you know, it's a, a gift for us that Braden can look at Veed and, and learn from that. And two other guys in uh, Eli Vogel, uh, in Spencer Melberg that were double-digit scores for Appleton West who lost in the sectional semi, sectional final, I'm sorry, to Hudson uh, who had just beaten Superior before that. Uh, guys that know how to play at a high level. Jackson Middlestat is uh, um, extremely athletic, uh, re- developing as a player, uh, really brings some big-time athleticism in. Um, and then we have another um, international player in Enrique um, Sanchez uh, that – Real physical, big, may have the ability to have an impact right away. Still getting a feel for our style and whatnot, but physically he's 18, but he plays like he's, you know, a senior. And um, so they're all going to have their opportunities. It's a pretty diverse group versus our sophomore group that were really a lot of the same position, but you know this group really hits all positions one through five. So uh, there's going to definitely be opportunities for them for sure. That's interesting too with Enrique because the first time I saw him, I thought he was Veed. Yeah, from a distance. I mean, yeah. he's built. <laughs> he is literally he's built like Veed. He he has that same kind of build to him, you know, because Veed is six five, but he's muscular, and that's what Enrique is. Yep. Enrique is about the same; he's about six four, six five, and they move similarly. 
You know, I'm not sure if if Enrique has got Veed's touch yet as far as shooting the ball, but you know, physically they're almost like clones of each other. It's very interesting to see their build side by side. Yep. When I saw them shooting on opposite hoops, I was looking at the two of them and I thought, so Veed's over here and that's Enrique over there. But from a distance, you wouldn't be able to tell them apart unless you saw, you know, Veed shooting the ball a little bit for, with a little bit more distance than Enrique does. But it was interesting to see that dynamic because I saw, I thought to myself, I was going, hmm, well, that's interesting. I haven't seen that before. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. And, you know, from what people tell me, and I wasn't here, but, you know, when Vito was here as a freshman, he, he didn't necessarily play how he plays now. And, you know, I'd be interested to see how Enrique continues to develop as a player, too, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I imagine he, he might have some of the same rawness that Vito had mm-hmm. when he first got here. Because mm-hmm. you could tell, you know, you, you yeah. talk about his muscular frame. He was kind of a skinny kid back then, mm-hmm. and, yep. and he was raw. Yep. Yeah, he was. He was, he was raw, and, and the minutes he got early reflected that. And, mm-hmm. you know, he it's almost like he kind of had to learn how to play college basketball. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's the case for, you know, any freshman is, is they do have to relearn. And I think, you know, Johnny mentioned developing and developing on their own and developing at their own speed. I do think we have the luxury of that this year uh, for guys, you know, that they don't have to get thrown in. <laughs> In, into the fire right away, and um, so that's a good thing, though. That's that's where we want to be. That's where we you know, we need things to be at. And for guys that are ready to go, then you know that's a blessing too. That that we have that you know spark um, from that group, and we can keep building around that. Um, as we mentioned, with with six seniors. Well, and the other thing is uh, that I'm really looking forward to, and I'm always looking forward to basketball season. I mean, no secret there. Seeing Colton Williams back on the floor too, because uh, Colton. He's another guy that's had some injury problems in his career. Uh, he's had a couple of them as well. Um, but, you know, for a guy that's 6'2", he plays about as big as you can get for a guy 6'2". I mean, he's capable of playing a four, um, which is tough in college. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, definitely. and but he plays. I was I was having this conversation also the other day. For a guy that's 6'2", normally if it's 6'1", 6'2", you're thinking he's a guard. And Colton is a forward. I mean, and he's a power forward in a 6'2 frame. And he plays so big sometimes. You know, yeah, he puts definitely. up numbers that you would expect a guy who's six five, six six to put together. But he's six two. And he does it, you know, on a on a regular basis. So how nice is it to have him back into the fold as well? No, definitely. And I think, you know, we talk about versatility. Um, you know, that's that's Colton with everything you just described there. And uh no, it's great to have him back. And I think uh, you know, with both him and Veed and you know, you know, they both have their own personalities, but you know, their ability to step away and now re-enter after essentially a year off. It gives a new perspective to things, and you know, and they're older guys. You know, they're they're seniors, so they're going to be, you know, more mature that way, anyways. But knowing that you know it was taken away from them once, and now they're back. You know how they go about their business is great, and and Colton has been phenomenal in that, and the way he he is a vocal leader. He demands a lot out of the guys. Uh, but I think him, you know, having gone through what he did has is, is only made him better as a leader. And, yeah, I mean, he's got a great ability at with his body to get to the rim. He can play in the perimeter. He can handle it. Um, so, again, yeah, it adds this another versatile piece. I think, uh, you know, with basketball, especially modern basketball, uh, guys that can play inside out and handle the basketball and get to the rim and rebound and guard multiple positions um, is a luxury. And, and Colton can definitely do that. Let's talk a little bit about the schedule because you made reference to the the early part of it where you've got UMD and then 
it that goes right into the Merrill Thompson Classic, mm-hmm. which oh man, what a field! You've uh, you've assembled <laughs> quite a, a field. field. There's yeah. there, it, it, there's no walk in the park in that tournament this year, is there? No, not at all. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that's good, bad, otherwise. I don't know. I think you know coming here and knowing what the Merrill Thompson Classic has been. Uh, for me, it's about the event, and it's not even as much about the matchups, which which that is part of it. Don't get me wrong, and and we'll face that in reality coming up here in a few weeks. But I think it's it's come together as a great event. Uh, you know, we played Marion University in Game One, who we've the last two years we've had two good games with. They've got a new coach and Drake Diener there going into his second year, and they're building their program. And uh, that'll be a really fun game. They play real fast, and then you know on the other side. Uh, in the six o'clock game on on that <laughs> Friday night is uh, I don't think the D three hoops dot com poll is out yet, but I I believe the Hoop News or one of the other D three polls is out, and they had uh, a couple Oshkosh of heavyweights. Had, yeah, yeah, Oshkosh at <laughs> well, one. they'll both be in it, I would think. Yeah, yeah. Oshkosh was one. Nebraska Wesleyan, which will be at our tournament, is two, and St. John's is right behind them at three. So at least in that poll, you'll have you know number two and three in the country going at each other uh, night one, and then you know we'll we'll be taking on either number two or three in the country on on. On Saturday, and then you know it'll be a great event. We've got Jack Bennett coming up uh, to that event to talk to all four programs. Uh, former coach at Stevens Point and won back-to-back national championships, and uh, just be a great weekend to kind of kick the season off and and have some high-level play to say the least. I don't think people understand how good that game is going to be, and I'm I'm disappointed that hockey's going head-to-head because I won't get the opportunity to see that. But I, I don't think the people in this area understand. How good those teams how are. How good those two teams are going to be and how entertaining of a basketball game that's going to be. Yeah, I think um, – Early in the season or not, No, I it's think, going to be very no, it's entertaining. it's going to be great. Yeah, very and, good. You know, and us and Marion are building our programs, and I think it's exciting in that sense that we're both building and you got two teams that are going to be hungry right out of the gates, um, match up well against one another. And then, yeah, it, it goes without saying Wesleyan and St. John's. I mean, um, that came together very nicely just for – you know, the sake of basketball and Nebraska Wesleyan, you know, won the national championship two years ago. I think they lost to St. Thomas in the NCAA tournament last year. And, you know, St. John's has been as good as anybody uh, as of very recent and actually had been upset. Uh, uh, and Pat McKenzie's great, but, you know, to give up some props to our league, um, knocked out by the UMAC winner last two years. But, um, you know, they're, they're loaded with talent. They're loaded with size. Um, yeah, and that will be as big of matchup maybe in, you know, definitely in the early part of the season as you'll see as anywhere in the country, and that that I could say very confidently. That's uh, the the when I saw the field announced, I had to go back and I almost did a double take when I saw it that Nebraska Wesleyan and St. John's were both coming. I wasn't as surprised and as St. John's. Each other. Yeah, I'm playing each other. <laughs> I wasn't as surprised as St. John's because we've right. played them before, uh, both there and here, uh, in the past. Um, but Nebraska Wesleyan. Well, wow, what a coup a, that is! They play is. a real fun style of basketball. I mean, they put a ton of points up, and they, uh, you know, they get they play some niche type of defenses, and uh, so they really change it up. So it'll it'll be a great weekend of basketball for sure to, to open the season up. And a great nickname, the Prairie Wolves. I, <laughs> I love that. That's a fantastic, like you know, like nickname. But uh, like I said, they're a great program. Nebraska Wesleyan, uh, of course, came up here for volleyball. Yep. So they're not completely alien to coming up to Superior to play. We we had them in a tournament, I think it was. What yep, was they were the, here for the tournament this year. Yep, the so, Classic. Um, yeah, a second Nebraska Wesleyan team. But this is pretty high profile, like you said. This is a defending – well, not a defending national champion anymore. National champion from two years ago and a team that was ranked number one for the balance of last year. Uh, they were undefeated, I think, for most of the yep. year before yep. they finally got knocked out. Of course, the NCAA tournament in the final 16, I think it was. Was it Sweet 16? Yeah. Where they lost? Yeah. 
which was considered a huge disappointment for them. So, like you said, that's going to be a whale of a game. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And it'll be, you know, it will be fun. It'll be great. And I think, you know, for us, um, you know, it's really always interesting with scheduling and, you know, you want to schedule to your favor. But, you know, to me, that's part of the experience for our guys, too. And if we can go step into that environment and, you know, our obviously our goal is still to compete and compete to win a basketball game on both Friday and Saturday. Um, but it's just I just think it adds to our guys' experience, especially with, you know, that big senior class. And um, so it'll be fun, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what else to say. I mean, it's um, this has been one of those years where, you know, we've been able to attract the athletic department as a whole, has been able mm-hmm. to attract some really, really high-quality stuff. Mm-hmm. There have been some really high-quality teams that have come in, mm-hmm. you know, to play, uh, you know, not only in Superior, but play us yep. here in Superior. And yep. so um, whether it's St. John's or Nebraska Wesleyan or whoever you guys have to face on yep. that second night um, – it doesn't matter to me. It's going to be fun either way. Yep. Um, of course, I'm more familiar with St. John's than I am with mm-hmm. Nebraska Wesleyan. But uh, you know, just keeping up with things from a from a distance, and uh, uh, you know, not to go too far off on a tangent here, but hockey is doing the same thing. They're bringing in some serious t- talent as well for their tournament. So um, just to see that the the athletic program as a whole is able to attract that level of team to come in and say, yeah, we'll play in your event, is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely, it is. We'll we'll touch more on the hockey thing, obviously, when right. we have. McKenna in here, but um, one thing before we move on from the tournament, Merrill Thompson Classic. Uh, it's sponsored by National Bank of Commerce, mm-hmm. and I know you have a, a personal tie and a good friendship with Bruce Thompson there. Talk, speak a little bit about about the relationship there and what that means to the program, what that means to you, what his family means to you, and how all that works together. Yeah, it's it's been a, a great relationship to be a part of. Um, you know, when I was in, and I am going to, I may be incorrect in my statement here, it was either my my last year of playing, either my senior year playing or my the year following when I when I got into coaching here um, is when Merrill had passed. And I, I remember going to uh, the service uh, as a team, um, you know, for Merrill and honor Merrill and, and for Bruce, uh, who's at NBC Bank and, and Bruce is, is Merrill's son. Uh, so, I, you know, I that real, that, that timing of that really still is kind of embedded in, in my head for, for whatever reason that is. So the event does mean a lot. Um, you know, Bruce has been a great supporter in NBC Bank of, of the program and UWS Athletic Department as a whole. And, you know, and then when I, you know, you go on to those next coaching steps, I actually had the, the opportunity to coach his son, uh, who's from Superior at Carroll University. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of success down there. And, um, you know, and, and Eric, his son, and I had kind of always just stayed in touch. He stayed in the Milwaukee area. I was coaching in the Milwaukee area. Um, you know, and then, you know, having made my way back to Superior, um, and the event kept going on. I, I think, we, you know, we started that event, or Davey Cannon started that event, I, you know, that first year. And, it, and the, the events continued to grow. Um, and knowing the history of it, you know, just wanted to, to keep that going and, and NBC Bank has been a great supporter of it. Um, Bruce has been awesome. He, he's a huge fan of our guys. He comes to the games, comes to practice, uh, ultra involved in the community. Our program's gotten involved with some of his projects with the Optimist, Optimist Club. And um, so it's been a great relationship. And I, I think this year's event um, is a product of that relationship and you know, look forward to seeing where it can keep going from there. You're really good at ska- segueing tonight because hey, hey, I learned more than more than once you've thrown something out. Yeah, it's like, yeah, that's kind of where I <laughs> yeah. wanted to go. And uh, don't worry, we'll get no, you. We're good. We're good. We'll, we'll we'll get, I know you got time. practice coming up yeah, tonight. Is your eyeball on the clock? Yep. So we'll we'll get you on. But you brought up Dave Buchanan. 
Yep. And I know you started your coaching career underneath Dave. You went with him to Carroll. Talk talk a little bit about him and and the influence he's he's been on you. Yeah, he, it's been a, you know, I'm still young in this profession. Um, um, but you know, you hear the statement that you have a few people, you know, that you cross paths with in your life that really you know catapult you or send you in a direction and. Um, you know, he hands down was that for me, um, among others. Uh, but you know, he's he's definitely the reason I got into coaching. And you know, I think I, I should say I think I would have got into coaching regardless. But when I did get in, um, he was just such a great mentor and just you know really let me you know either succeed or crash and burn and just gave me the opportunities and uh you know forever indebted to him for that and you know that started here at UW Superior you know we went to Carroll University um you know he helped me get into high school coaching in the Milwaukee area um you know he went on to different parts of his career we've always stayed in touch uh he helped me get back into college coaching at UW Eau Claire um you know and and he's been up here since getting back to UW Superior we still stay in touch and um, that group of guys that, you know, he assembled here, you know, the Jake Smith, Dan Cooley's, Greg Raiders, uh, you know, me being kind of at the end of that era, um, he, he just had such an unbelievable impact on all of our lives and me especially going into coaching. Um, so, yeah, 100% forever indebted to him, uh, along with Jeff Kaminsky, who was here, along with Matt Seiverling, who I worked for at UW-Eau Claire. Uh, so it's funny how that all works out. I mean, those three have stayed in touch with all three of them. Talked to Matt uh, this week, talked to Jeff uh, this summer, talked to, you know, was at a wedding this summer with Dave. Uh, so all three have been huge influences. It's really strange to me to see Dave not coaching. Mm-hmm. Since he went into the financial services industry, because I just he he's one of those guys that I always pictured as being a coach, because he was such a a passionate coach, and was such a bulldog of a recruiter. And you know, you talk about Jim Rats as players, he always kind of came off to me as like that as a coach. It just seems strange to me, even though he's been in this for a number of years now, that he's in financial services. He's not a basketball coach anymore. Yeah, and I think uh, you know that is true. Um, but you know, we still stay in touch and I, you know, that coaching hat might be pushed a little further back in the closet for him, but I mean, it's still in his blood, it's still in his head. And, you know, I, I think, you know, when I talk to him or, you know, when we have discussions, um, you know, he can kind of remove that emotion from himself, from not being a coach, you know, that his you know, his thoughts and opinions are, um, you know, just come from a different perspective. And again, he's, he continues to be a great mentor. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's a dog. He was, he was a gym rat, you know, to say the least. And, you know, learned a lot from recruiting to coaching, to motivating, to maximizing, to building a program. Yeah. The list goes on and it was, he's been a great mentor for sure. Still is. Some guys just have that itch too. You know, it's just like, it's like the old kind of cliche, you know, you have the coaching itch or you, you know, you have the itch to play. It's one of those itches that you can never quite scratch because it's it's never really gone. Right. You know, you might ignore it for a while, but it keeps kind of like, oh, I got that itch. <laughs> you know, I got to scratch that thing. Right. You know, and that's sort of, you know, for I think for people who are involved in basketball, um, you know, you were either at a grassroots level or all the way up to being a professional coach. You know, people who are involved in it and people who really are dedicated to it, they just have that itch. That's the only way I can describe it. It's the same way that, um, you know, people who are involved in hockey have that itch. It just is what it is, yep. you know, and 
It, it's, it's, it's either something that's in you or it's not. I can't really put it into words, but that's the closest thing I can come to it. Yeah, and, and, and ultimately, um, you know, I – you know, since we're on the topic, you know, Jake Smith was at our practice this past Saturday. And, you know, so his his legacy, if you will, is still going. You know, you know, I'm coaching and Jake's coaching. You know, a former assistant here, Colin Othier, is at Augustana uh, in South Dakota. You know, a lot of his players he had at Carroll University are still coaching. So that just shows the influence you have uh, uh, in a position like this. And, uh, yeah, he, he did it well, no doubt. Got time for some rapid fire before you oh, go to practice? I, I, I knew it was <laughs> somewhere infused in the eye of the swarm here. I didn't know if it was going to be at the beginning, in the middle, nope. at the end. But I, I, I tried to cheat this morning stopping in at John's office to get a little head start on if I need to do any homework here. But he didn't let me in on anything. So it's, <laughs> well, see, it's the best truly part, rapid fire right now. The, the, the best thing about the rapid fire, though, is that there is no homework. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. The, you, you should know, be able no, just you, to answer you're right off the top to do of your head. Scouting report, at least try to get any type of edge. But no, coming in, no, no scouting report here. That's Can you sure. imagine if we did it at the beginning before people are comfortable? Because we've we've had coaches <sighs> yeah. that have come in and sat down and been a little nervous about the direction this is going to go, and they're kind of quiet with their first couple answers, and then by the end they're they're comfortable. If you did that at the very beginning, it could be terrible. Well, you know, and I'll I'll throw back to one of our other rapid fires. Um, Today and talking with uh, women's soccer coach Allison DeGroat, I brought up her sandwich. And everybody <laughs> in the office that was there in there, because the assistant soccer coaches, two of them were in there, and they both turned and looked at me like, what is this all about? And she kind of was like, well, blah, blah, blah. And then she she didn't even fully remember everything, although she was talking about – she did bring up the uh, cherry pepper idea. Yep. But <laughs> everybody was like, ooh, what is that? And then we started talking it out, but uh, – yeah, so if just, you don't know so what we're know, talking about, it's yeah. episode three. So it, it just just <laughs> so you know, what okay. you do say here may filter over into more conversations. Oh, I have <laughs> yeah. no doubt. I have so, no doubt. There's, yeah. uh, I that part. I that part. I do know. Actually. Okay, yeah. yeah. That, that's the only thing I know when it comes to this. I part. walked in. You know, I mean, this is the way it goes. And I walk in to coach the Groats office, and I say, "Can I get an interview?" Yeah. By the way, we should try your sandwich sometime. Yeah, the sandwich. And everybody started talking <laughs> about the sandwich. <laughs> so <laughs> I was, and I had to tell everybody how impressed we were. Absolutely. Yeah, with what she came up with. But uh, go ahead, John. Start with rapid fire. Not to put any pressure on you, Greg. Hey, but it's uh, all good. The, the rapid all good. fire always starts the same. At least in the first conversation we have with coaches, and that one would be, if you are not a coach, what are you? Oh, if I'm not a coach, um, I don't know. That's uh, – I, I won't pause here too long. You know, I, I like uh, – you know, f- for the sake of the Eye of the Swarm podcast, you know, I like interacting with people, so – you know, maybe maybe I'd be sitting in the booth up with you, John or Matt. Maybe I'd be on radio. Maybe I'd be, uh, you know, I don't know, working with people in whatever capacity it is. I mean, the three of us have had our our talking soirees before, so I I think, um, you know, I think I can do that halfway decent. So I suddenly want to have you be a color analyst on a hockey broadcast. Yeah, I, it just not, to see if you could hang. Yeah, I think I could hang. I don't know if if uh, what I'd be saying would be accurate, but I could throw some I, lingo out there. Mulhern did it. He, he gave yeah. me a period once, oh, and, there you and, go. He, and he learned a lot. Boy, there you go. <laughs> I'm just imagining the kind of murder mayhem, quote unquote, we could uh, put together with you, me, and Greg doing a sports <laughs> talk show. I just I'm trying to put this together in my head, and I'm trying to be like. Wow. Can you imagine some of the stuff that we would come up with in here? I, I don't. 
I think it'd be tremendous. Yeah, it would be. Well, no, it, or, or it'd be, in the mix, and then we'd have a four-way interview. Or yeah, it would crazy. be really bad. Yeah, it would either be really be awesome bad because by the second week, we're talking about what we had for breakfast. Yeah, hey, that's that's okay. That's part that's of it, okay. though. I mean, like you listen to those guys; <laughs> they talk about all kinds of weird oh, stuff. Oh, I know. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. You were on record as saying that as a baseball player, your walk-up song would be "The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald" by Gordon Lightfoot. Explain why. You know that uh, you know we're obviously on the shores of Lake Superior. It's uh, November, I believe. The anniversary of the Edmund Fitz is in November tenth. November tenth, uh, or we're coming up on November. I'm sorry. Um, you know, Dave Headley, a, a former UWS alum, who I'm, I'm sure will probably be listening to this podcast at some point. Uh, you know, we always reference the Edmund Fitz quite often, in whatever capacity that would be. Um, so, you know, we're on the shores of Lake Superior here, and I just, you know, I, th- I think it fits. It flows, right? Oh. The lingo they use in, in the radio world, it just it just uh, speak, speaks to me. Speaks I, to always, I always think of the fits now whenever I'm driving around. <laughs> and y- y- yesterday, and this is something that you and I talked about earlier today, actually, I was, <laughs> I was driving over from Superior yesterday after getting interviews for the soccer games earlier today that I broadcasted. And on the way over, I got off 35, and I'm being blown around all over the place. Going across Blatnick Bridge was a life-changing experience yesterday. <laughs> and so on the way back, I'm, I found religion. I found oh. religion really quickly. <laughs> yeah, not that I ever lost it, but I really refound it yesterday. Yeah, I mean that was just something. So I'm coming across, and I'm driving, I'm driving, and I'm getting up 35, going on London Road back to my house. And I turn around and look, and here is this little tiny Coast Guard boat with like three guys bopping around on Lake Superior, and I thought. Whatever those guys are getting paid, it ain't enough because, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. You know, with, with the with – the, here you go, 65, 70 mile per hour gusts of wind. Here you go, go guys. Just go right out there. But that's what I think of now. I think of the Fitzgerald because it was a, that was the situation the Fitz was in when it well, left. You, you say Fitz, and I, I reference an alumni yeah, shout-out here yeah. to Dave Headley. Uh, we were just at his wedding this summer. Uh, you know, he named his dog Fitz. So I'm not lying when I bring bring this up about uh, Dave Headley and our our uh, our passion for the Edmund Fitzgerald. So it, it runs deep. Yeah. Oh yeah. So I mean, <laughs> but they, I mean, it kind of encapsulates Lake Superior, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely, it does. That's yeah. the first thing that everyone always thinks about. Exactly. What happened on Lake Superior? Oh, they've been Fitzgerald. Yeah. You know, yep. that's that's the yep. first thing everyone everyone always asks about when they come here as a tourist too. Yeah. Wasn't this where the Fitzgerald was? Yeah. I mean, the Arthur Anderson, people still talk about the Arthur Anderson, and its home port is here. It just got recommissioned. It's back out on the water. Yeah, again. I mean, I just drove by it the other day, and it's famous because it was the last ship that was in contact with the Fitzgerald yeah. before it hit the bottom of Lake Superior. So, you know, I mean, it, it, the Fitzgerald will never That's go That's why away. we got to keep playing the song. That's why I got to play it as a walkout That's song. why you got to keep yeah. going up to bat then. That's right. That's yeah, right. exactly. That's right. So we might have to play that at uh, introductions at on November 8th. We'll just play that for our warm-up song. That I'm day. already envisioning a bunch of people just going, this is a really odd selection <laughs> right, for yeah. the opening tip. After your players hey, will whatever. be like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yes. Oh, boy. What would your last meal be? Like, you know, like, like prisoners on death row always oh, yeah. get their oh, final yeah. meal. I, I, so I, I follow you right you, away. You've got yeah. one last meal. What would that meal be? You know, I'm a I'm a big seafood guy. Um, you know, I've come to enjoy the Great Lakes fish. You know, the the lake trout, the whitefish. They're they're very good. Don't get me wrong, but I'm more of a inland lake uh, type guy. So you know, you get perch or bluegill in front of me. You know, I could go for days. So so any just pan fried, deep fried, perch or bluegill, panfish, whatever, it doesn't matter. But uh, yeah, I I that's that that's 
That's my last. I like crappie over bluegill. Yeah, crappie can go with two. I'd probably lean the bluegill way, but crappie, crappie's definitely in that category. So, um, yeah, that's what I go with. No hesitation. Not even. Don't even need a side. Just straight. Wow. You're just having shore lunch. Hey, just having shore. Just keep it coming. Wow. Keep it coming. That's impressive. Where about walleye? Where's walleye rank for you? Number two. Okay. Number two. Behind the bluegill. Yep. Behind bluegill. Yep. Bluegill perch. So yeah. Okay. With walleye, eight bluegill, and you got both. Perfect. That's the last meal description right there. It doesn't get any better than that. One fish had its last meal, and then you had the last meal. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 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 Yeah. What's the most Wisconsin thing you've ever done? Um, (laughs) Wisconsin thing we've ever done. I've ever done. That's a loaded question. Yeah. uh, it's I also fairer within rapid fire. You know, we'll, it is. We'll, uh, we'll go. We'll, we'll go back to uh, some alumni here, specifically Dave Headley again. It was. Uh, I don't know if this qualifies as a Wisconsin thing or not, but we played at. Uh, this would have been my senior year, so it would have been, I think, in the 07-08 season. It would have been on the yeah. It would have been the 08 side of it. Later in the WIAC season, we played down at UW Stevens Point on a Saturday. Got back late. Um, about a five-hour bus ride, um, and the Packers played in the NFC Championship the next day against the New York Giants. And I think, if I'm recalling, I don't know how many overtimes that went into or oh, what, man. yeah, whatever it was. Um, Brett Favre was still playing, and you know we ended up losing that point that day. But you know we were like, let's drive to Green Bay. So we got back on the bus, got back from the bus, got in the car. Drove right back down 53 to 29, kept going to Green Bay, tailgated all the way up to the game. Um, it was a later kickoff, um, you know, and you're and we were tailgating, you know, cheese, brass, old Wisconsin smorgasbord. And then I remember being deathly afraid of us not being able to get back to practice in time the following day. We had a morning practice on Monday, and I, you know, we had, we had just lost the point. The last thing Dave and I, as the only two seniors on the team, needed to do was be late for a practice on a Monday. Lucas Telejohn was there, too, another alumni. <laughs> and, uh, just saw Lucas not that long ago. Yep, and, uh, you know, we tailgated right up to kickoff, and it was a later kickoff. And I remember driving back, and that game was so long. Um, I was north of Rice Lake before it ended because I listened to the whole game, got back late Sunday, got up Monday morning for practice, and – and all was well. So I don't I don't know if that qualifies as a Wisconsin thing I've done. I think it's absolutely a very Wisconsin thing that okay. you did. I well, thought so, but uh, I think the only thing that probably Packers lost that game. Yeah, that's, only, that's only what all is well might have been yeah. the one thing that you said that, kind that of an wasn't odd Wisconsin. Thing. We went down there, but we left when the game started because I w- we were not going to be late for practice. I still but, have uh, Packer fans that talk to me about the throw near the sideline in overtime. Yes. That far yes. through that got picked off. Yes. It was his last throw yes. as a Packer. Yep, yep, yep. And they still haven't gotten over the pass that he threw that day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And know? it was brutally cold that day. It was yeah, it was really cold. I remember cold. that. I, was... I mean, you had the Ice Bowl, um, the NFC Championship versus Carolina Panthers, and th- that game I think are like the top three coldest in, in Packer history. Yeah. It was freezing. And I, I was... don't know if we were necessarily dressed uh, the right way. Though, but, uh... <laughs> I was I was still in Ashland at the time, and the entire town of Ashland went into a period of mourning after that throw by Brett Favre. And yeah. I, I don't know if 
there are some people I think who still haven't gotten over it. Maybe since the Packers have you know have gone back to a Super Bowl now with Aaron Rodgers, right? I think that might have eased it a little bit. But that last throw by far, boy, that's stuck in people's you know craw for a long time. And I don't yes. know if, if it still sticks in yours or not. But uh, definitely, I, I can remember I can remember listening to it vividly just south of Rice Lake when that play occurred there. So um, I listened to it yeah. on the radio as well. I heard yeah. Wayne Larrabee and Larry McCarron's <laughs> response. That was a dagger. That yeah. Was a dagger. <laughs> Yeah, that was yeah. – and it, it didn't quite – I mean, Larry does his grunt, his groan when something bad happens. And <laughs> Larry did his usual, which is, oh, my goodness, which is usually what he says when something has gone really wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said right after that throw. Mm-hmm. My goodness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's when you knew it was it was trouble. Definitely. But the fact that you drove all the way over there, did the tailgate thing, and then came back for practice is <laughs> – Yeah, that's – That's uh, very Wisconsin. That's yeah, very Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you're a coach, and you are recruiting a young basketball player named Greg Polkowski. What does your scouting report say? Oh, oh, definitely rapid fire. Uh, you know, uh, it'd, be, it'd be funny if you asked some other people this question, what their answer I would can. be. I uh, can. Yeah, you could probably <laughs> even pull some film up there. You know, I'd say decent mid-range, versatile, limited to his left, uh, undersized for the post, uh, maybe not – Great skill on the perimeter, but uh, can do it all or can play all positions or willing to play it all. But, uh, you know, I, I'll be the first to say there was a lot. There was many players that were better than myself that have went through this program. Um, but, no, I just love to be a part of it and, you know, hope I contributed. And I, I think that's what the scouting report would say. I think okay. – uh, I don't know if they would be if I'd be the guy that the opposing coach would be double teaming or sending help defense sure. on. Uh, you know, they might even give me some shots. I don't know, but I, I hope I would hope that I'd I'd call don't their cover bluff him. and and, uh, <laughs> and burn them on that decision. Don't but. cover Polkowski, whatever you do. All yeah. right, so follow up question. Yeah, you're a coach, and you're recruiting a young player named Stephanie Polkowski. Oh, oh definitely. What does your scouting player. report say? Oh, don't bite on the pump fake. In more ways than one. Literally, her go-to move, and she's got a pump fake. She's throwing around the house all the time too. So you can't, you can't bite on the bait. You just gotta, you just gotta stay to your principles and just stay down on the floor. You know, uh, watch what you do at home and just. Yeah, don't I bite f- on the pump fake. That's the only <laughs> thing you need to write on that that scouting report. I feel like this is real and figurative all at the same time. Oh, 100 percent. She, I think she would. Way to read agree between the lines, me. there, yeah. Matt. Yeah, that, I, that I just report I do have right. That's I know that scouting report better than my own. So yeah. he's Greg would Polkowski, the Yellow Jacket men's basketball coach. We're going to take a break, and we will come back with more of the Eye of the Swarm right after this. Sports broadcasts on 91.3 FM are made possible in part by Donji's East End Tavern, located in the heart of Superior's East End and a proud sponsor of Yellow Jacket Athletics. Ken Mertz and Mertz Rookie Insurance, a full-service agency with more than 35 years of experience offering all lines of personal and commercial insurance. 866-378-4936, online at MertzRookieInsurance.com. Burnix, local distributors of Pepsi and proud supporters of UW-Superior. And by Northwest Outlet, family-owned and operated for more than 60 years, offering a full line of sporting goods, footwear, clothing, and outerwear. 1814 Belknap and Superior or at northwestoutlet.com.
We're back on the Eye of the Swarm podcast, and uh, we're just kind of commenting off air. It, it, Greg is so easy to talk to. Oh, guys, just and easiest interview I've ever had as a coach. <laughs> he for, really for is game he, store. Uh, he, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's easy to talk to. He gives you good, thoughtful answers, and you know, just before you know it, you've been talking for forty-five minutes. Yeah, I mean, he's one of those guys you could belly up to the bar and sit and chat all day with. You know, I mean, he's he, he's. Greg is is a passionate guy about basketball. He's you know he's just that kind of guy, and uh, um, really, it really beyond that, just a really nice guy. Yeah, Greg's really easy to get along with. I mean, I don't know too many people who don't get along with Greg Polkowski. Right. So, you know, uh, and to be frank, I think we have a whole hallway of people like that. that yeah, for the most part, are, are easy to converse with. Yep, and I would are, agree, are real easy to get along with. Yeah, everybody's a little bit different in their style, but uh, right. For the most part, everybody, you know, among the coaches is is pretty easy to to, to interact with. I mean, there I haven't really had any coaches or, or interactions with any of them where I've said, "Wow, that was really difficult," <laughs> you know, like because sometimes you do have to kind of pull it out a little bit, but, right? Uh, you know, everybody saw just a little bit different, and uh, for the most part, all the coaches are pretty pretty darn approachable. Yeah, and definitely don't have to pull much out when it comes to Greg Hill. You can ask a pretty simple question with him, or even a difficult question, and he'll yep. he'll be able. to I always look forward to my pregame interviews with him because they're they're pretty easy, Absolutely. pretty straightforward. Also, when we were off air, we were talking a little bit about the upcoming schedule, and uh, it's a little goofy. It's it's a little it's pretty light. Uh, yeah, it's extremely light for home events because you know we're recording this on the twenty second, and we've got nine days off until we have a home game again. So. It's uh, it's a little bit of a strange schedule, and yeah. we're rolling into another weekend, our third one of the year already, where we don't have any home events. Yeah, it's going to be very strange um, to not have anybody around this coming weekend. Of course, cross country is off. Right. Uh, their next home event is on November second. We talked about that, you know, when we did the uh, the rundown. Hosting the UMAC championships out at Namaji, it is the first of three consecutive years that Namaji will be the host of the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference Men's and Women's Cross Country Championships. So uh, let's let's hope that this year is the worst weather of the yes. three. <laughs> We're doing our rain dance again or snow dance or whatever you want to call it, whatever it is that so you got to do to try to convince Mother Nature to cooperate. Yep. That's what we got to do. Uh, volleyball this week, two road matches. They're tomorrow at Northwestern, so Wednesday night, 7 p.m. That's a big match for them. It's a huge match for them. And, you know, think back a year, a year ago when Northwestern came to the Mertz and what a fun evening and an emotional evening that that was when the Yellow Jackets ended that 65-match winning streak. That match stunned play. me, and I did it on the radio. I think that was the first volleyball match we've ever done on the radio, if I recall correctly, was that one. And, yeah, they came in 64 in a row, and I went in not really expecting anything. I went in kind of just saying, well, this is going to be fun. This is a new experience for us doing volleyball on the radio. How's right. this going to go? Right. And they won the first set, and then they won the second set, and then the third set. And you just sort of – it felt a little bit strange, to be honest with you. And I think they were taken aback a little bit as well. Right. Because if you're going to end a long winning streak like that, you expect it to go for at least four, probably five. Right. But they were just the better team that night. Well, I'm, just, I'm thinking back to before the match. Right. You know, you're, you're setting up, and anybody who's seen me when I'm setting up for volleyball or basketball, I always forget two or three things, and I have to run back upstairs to the office and get stuff. And I had people coming up to me going, you know, we're not going to get blown out tonight, are we? Can we, can we win a set? Is it going to be bad? And like, well, Northwestern's really good, right? I mean, yeah. you're, they're only a year or two removed from going to the Final Four. Yeah, they're I mean, they're a legitimate Division Three power, and the Yellow Jackets handled them with 
ease in that match. Last yeah, it was year. very strange to watch it because um, I, I like you, remember a couple of years ago when that team won. I forget how many matches they won that year, but I mean, they had one of the best players in the country, a, a, a girl named Jessica Peterson, who was just fantastic. Right. She was one. Of, she was truly one of the best players in the country. Yep. And that team was just stacked. I mean, they had a team that could have competed with anybody. Yep. And as it turned out, we were right when we said that because they went to the Final Four that year. Right. And that was right in the middle of this winning streak. So when you put that into into context, you start to realize that, yeah, Northwestern's had the run of this league now for a long time. And yep. it was almost to the point where, you know, you, you do kind of – you're kind of taken aback. You know, because we had it with the, with the women's vo- basketball team mm-hmm. up until last year too. It was the same kind of thing. Right where everybody just knew they were going to lose as soon as they hit the court with us. Right. And that was sort of where Northwestern was, except a little bit longer. Because mm-hmm. I think we were into the – where were we? We were at 50-something, I think, in a row. I have to go back and look. I'd have to – yeah. I want to say I'm gonna, 50, I want to say we're in three, the 53 or 54. So yeah, something like that in a row. Add 10 one. more to that, and that's where Northwestern was when we played them. Right. And – and that happened, and then I think the rest of the conference went, whoa, whoa oh my gosh. Yeah, it was kind of an eye They can be beat. Yeah, exactly. Because it hadn't happened in five years. Yeah, it had been a long, long time. And Northwestern, to their credit, was very classy about it. Their classy outfit. Right. They always have been. Um, and But, yeah, that was an eye-opener. Mm-hmm. I, w- I was not expecting that at all, and I think the crowd kind of sensed it just by the way the players were reacting. Right. You know, just because the players were getting really excited, and – you got the sense that this was something big. Yep, that was happening, and you know because as, as that match continued to unfold, we were just better mm-hmm. that night than they were. No, yeah, and and uh, that was just the way it went. You right. know, um, but so this yeah. will be the first meeting for them, I believe. Since, since then, then, yeah, since that match. So we'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Yep, uh, that'll be seven p.m. Of course, at Northwestern down at the Erickson Center, and then they'll be on the road again on Saturday, taking on North Central. It'll be a 2 p.m. opening serve for Minneapolis, so a couple of road matches for Coach Lindy Drake and the Yellow Jackets Final here. two uh, conference matches of the year. Yeah, and then they're off. Uh, of course, we'll have a podcast between now and then, but then they close out the regular season in Milwaukee. And so I'm trying to. I'm hoping that Coach Diedrich will be who's joining us next okay. week. Okay, yeah, that'll be, hopefully. And then uh, we'll see where they're at because mm-hmm. we'll find out what uh, what their situation is as far as the UMAC tournament goes. Yep. Um, men's soccer, having clinched now the outright. Uh, conference title. They're now done with conference play for 2019, at least the regular season part of it. They have two games on the road coming up this week. And um, they're at St. John's. They only have one game scheduled for this week before they we uh, do another podcast. It's on uh, the 26th this coming Saturday, 2 p.m., the opening kickoff against St. John's in Collegeville. That'll be that'll be an intense affair. Yeah, usually uh, is. Yeah, uh, that, that'll be. Those are Two teams that don't necessarily like each other a whole yeah, lot. Yeah, that tends to simmer pretty – go from a simmer to a boil pretty quickly. Yeah, and, um, you know, the L Jackets will have one more non-conference match that we'll talk about in the next podcast against Bethel. That'll come up on the second, so a week from this coming um, uh, Saturday. but Or this coming weekend, I should say. But, uh, yeah, that game with St. John's, buckle up, folks. That one's going to be a rough and tumble affair. Two o'clock, again, the opening kick there uh, down in Collegeville. Women's soccer, meanwhile – uh, they will be on the road as well for another rough and tumble contest week from today. So they're off this coming weekend. They got a week to collect That's themselves. Probably good though because yeah. I think she's got some players that are a little nicked up that with yeah. some nagging injuries that they they could probably stand to have a couple days off. Yeah, a couple of players are a little bit banged up right now. Uh, you know, we don't we don't want to drop too many names, but uh, yeah, they got a little bit nicked up today, and hopefully they'll be healthy next week. They'll be taking on Saint Scholastica, the bridge battle. On the 29th, so a week from today, 3.30 p.m. 
an opening kick at Saints Field. And I believe the, that's the first meeting for those two teams since the Yellow Jackets knocked them out of the UMAC postseason last year. Exactly. So yeah. a couple of notable contests coming up for those teams, each of those teams. So that's what's on the docket for this next week. It's a light week. It's a very light week. Yeah. I you mean, know, it's like you said, the fall sports are, are winding down a little bit and gearing up for their playoff run. And, you know, winter sports are ramping up. You've got uh, the hockey teams are scrimmaging. Yeah, Some opponents here over the next uh, couple of weeks, and you know, a week from Friday, women's hockey's rolling. Yeah, you yeah, know, they're playing for real. So, so what's the? I mean, not. I don't want to get too in depth in this, obviously, because we want to bring this uh, this long podcast a bit to an end here quickly. Right. But what have you been hearing from uh, anybody about what the two teams are looking like? Any like general ideas? No, really. Mm-mm. Okay. No, I've been uh, oddly enough, I've been unplugged a little bit. Um, that's what being a father does to you. It does. It, it definitely changes some things, and uh, yeah, I've been a little bit unplugged with it. And the first time I'm going to see the guys on the ice is going to be Friday night when they're scrimmaging Saint Scholastica. I'm going to stop in there, and we're going to do some training with the new, oh, nice. the new stat students and everything in a low pressure environment, and kind of a dry run. Yeah, and okay. this will be the first time that we had a chance to see see the teams at all. You know, and then they're uh, they got Finlandia on Saturday afternoon, so I, I think we'll pop in and see that. But this then hopefully get some photos and stuff. But this is the, you know, I, I don't know a lot. I know uh, still fairly young. Um, I know that Coach McKenna on the men's side has kind of rebuilt from the the back out with two new goaltenders and five new defensemen coming in. Um, you know, so he's going to look a little bit different on the back end, but I, I know that he's awfully excited to be coaching this group of young men, and uh, I think I've said it for years. Uh, if anybody who's been a regular listener of mine on the air, I've said it for years. Anybody who's been a regular reader of the way I see it um, has has seen me write it, that better days are ahead, yep. and I feel those better days are, are here now. Okay. and They I played really well at the end of last year. They, they played extremely well down the stretch, and I feel like – the the good taste that it left in everybody's mouth is going to go a lot further than the negative taste that had been left in years previous was a detriment if that makes any sense right so yeah. I, I think there's an excitement about it and I think this is the year where it is going to take a step and the year where everybody's going to who's followed the program for a long time goes okay now this this is what I this is what I was this used is to what seeing. I would yeah this is what I was this is what I was used to seeing okay. Let's have some fun, and I, I feel like that's that's where this is going. And on the women's side, you know they're they're a veteran team. Yeah, they, he's only got four newcomers, so they're they're a veteran team. Uh, they're they're upper class heavy, and you know I I know he relies on those upper class oh, players. Yeah. So I I think I think he I, I think he, they're looking at last year as more of a, an aberration, just kind of a perfect storm with injuries and just offense coming from no place. And yeah. I, I think I, I think they believe that the pieces are in place there where they're going to be able to put things back together a little bit and, and get back to what people were accustomed to seeing from them too. Yeah, well, I would. I'm, that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I had a, I had a chat with uh, Colton Bates, and he's pretty excited about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys were raring to go, and I just happened to run into him at the MWC, and he was kind of telling me a little bit. And I know Connor Hamannick was excited too because he talked to me a little bit. So... Uh, I think we're all waiting to see men's hockey and women's hockey come yep. back to you know prominence, and uh, really looking forward to it when it happens. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'm uh, 
I'll have more of a scouting report on next week's podcast after oh, fantastic. getting a chance to, to check some of that over awesome. the weekend. Awesome. Yeah. So this is a, another bit of a long one here, but, uh, you know. It's a good you, work you, today, when though. When you get rolling with Greg Polkowski, hey, <laughs> we can't be held responsible for where that thing goes. No, I mean, we've already been, uh, at least I've been on the air for, gosh, a long time today. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Give I'm, the vocal cords a rest, man. Yeah, I, I, I think I might need to go and um, – and, um, Take a little bit of a respite here. <laughs> He's our engineer, Elliot Swear. He's the big sound, Matt Johnson. You're hearing Dr. Greg Moore in the Full Metal Jackets taking us out. I'm John Garver. Thank you for listening to The Eye of the Swarm.